Welcome to the Storypreneur Podcast, where the art of storytelling meets the world of business and entrepreneurship. On this show, we share tips and strategies on how you can communicate your message and offer in a way that not only attracts more leads, but also helps you speak with confidence and close more sales. Whether you're a business owner, coach, speaker, or just someone looking to up their persuasion game, this podcast is for you. Join us as we explore the power of storytelling and how it can help you stand out in today's crowded market, build better connections with your customers, and take your business to the next level. Now, let's welcome your host, Devin Rodriguez. All right, Tanner Chittister, we are here, man. I am. I haven't been this excited about an interview in a really long time. Uh, I don't, I, over the past few months that you've kind of been back in the game, which we'll talk about. Uh, I would say over the past six months, you've had a bigger impact on me than anybody that is in my circle or in my world has had. Uh, I've, I've been blessed with a lot of incredible mentors, but I just want to take a minute to admire you as we begin today's uh, episode, because you show what's possible to a lot of us young guys, but also not just in the business world, just how you carry yourself as a, as a man. So I just want to acknowledge you for that and say thank you for just really showing me the type of person that I desire to be and the type of care that I want to give to others. So just want to start off by thanking you, man. You have had such a big impact in your program and then just in, in everything that you've been doing and how you've been showing up. Thanks for being you, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I don't, <clears throat> I think sometimes, uh, it's good to hear that because I don't, you know, from my, my personal perspective, <laughs> there's been, it's been a little bit of a war this year on some certain aspects of my life, but you know, I appreciate the kind words and dude, I'm, I'm stoked for you and you work hard. And uh, that's like the number one thing about being successful that most people won't do. So you're right in the game. Tanner, we've, you, you have been on a lot of different podcasts and what I've realized is, is typically a lot of people are asking a lot of the same questions. They're asking you about sales, marketing, cause that's what, you've made your name doing, but there was a post that you made a couple of days ago. And I'm looking at my iPad as I'm reading this. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long, yeah. but you said you met your mentor, David Frey, and he showed you an interest in marketing. You made $2,000 for three years. You were angry at everyone in the world, but you kept with it and you used the anger to win. You did 70 million in four years. You thought it would make the pain leave, but it didn't. You got the cars, the penthouse, the girls, but you felt empty. Tanner, in this business world, there's a lot of people chasing the money and looking to do just 1 million, not just seven, not 70, but you said you felt empty. And I realized over the past few months, like there's something changing within you. Don't know what it is. I kind of see your content. I got a little glimpse, but talk to me a little bit about what you mean when you say you felt empty. What, what does that mean? What is that pain that you're referring to? Well, a lot of my drive in business to keep going and not quit was because I was so afraid of what other people would think of me. And so a lot of times people would say, don't worry about what others say or what they think, but I cared a lot. And I'd always been very successful in everything I've done. Straight A's, always done well with girls after I got bullied, right? So once I kind of got out of that bullying phase, I was always good at everything I tried. And so this business thing, I, I just couldn't figure it out. And I didn't know why. And uh, I used a lot of that anger of what my family said. My ex-girlfriend at the time, she actually left me because of it. Her mom was like not a fan of me dropping out of school. 
Um, as I was like hiring different mentors, if their program like didn't quote unquote work for me, I'd be like F him. So it was just a lot of anger, like a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of stuff that actually made me very good in sports. Um, and so what happened is it propelled me, right? Like it propelled me because I had this number in my head. It was a million a month. And I just was like, I'll do whatever I have to do to get a million a month. I'm going to hit a million a month. Like I want to hit it. And I saw these other guys I looked up to who had hit it. And then I finally got there and I had this, uh, I had this like razor, honestly, at my uh, place. I, I had, a, I was just telling you about, it. I was at Thousand Museum and it was like a 5,000 square foot uh, place. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I remember um, telling a few people that night and they were like, oh, awesome, congrats. And that was about it. And when I woke up the next day, <laughs> I just remember thinking, man, that's all that work, all that time, all that effort, all that uh, anger for that. And that mm -hmm. was it. And and I remember walking around the house that day and I started like I was looking out my window at this like amazing view of Miami. And I'm just thinking after all that, there's still people who don't even know who I am. And there's people who probably don't know who Mark Zuckerberg is and Oprah. And I just started feeling very small. And so that in turn, that made me feel very empty because all these things I thought, you know, I thought, hey, if I hit these accolades, like people will respect me. And to a degree, they do. That was part of what pushed me as a kid is I built muscles and kids backed off. I excelled at sports. I became popular. Like, you know, it, it I had that reinforcement. And so after a certain point, you realize like people just don't really care. Uh, and especially once you leave high school, you're out of your little bubble, right? So in that bubble, you're keen, but in the real world, you're not much. And so I started going down that rabbit hole of like therapy and talking to different people. Um, I've mentioned on probably multiple podcasts. I talked to Alex Formosi a lot. He's helped me a lot and uh, different pieces of advice that he's talked to me about. But yeah, it's, it's all, all these things that we look for, I guess to cut the short story short, is like all these things we look for that are kind of selfish wants we think that these things will make us happy. And then with the irony is once we get them, we realize that they can't. And so it's not that you can't enjoy it. It's not that living in a nice place is bad or having a nice car is bad or, you know, hanging out with 10 hot girls at once is bad. Do whatever you want, but it won't make you actually happy because it's all comes from selfishness. And honestly, dude, even after I was empty, I, I didn't really think it was from selfishness. I thought it was really from just i didn't feel like i had a purpose mm. right so that so i was like well what's the point of doing this and and really where i came to is after talking with alex me and alex align on some stuff we don't on everything but on a lot of things we do and he said well why does it have to matter maybe you just like it and that helped me at the time but then i got back in the okay let's collect more money let's build more businesses let's make more and then earlier this year i stepped out of the company i started traveling which you know came from a place of pretty much selfishness. It came from, well, I need to do what I need to do and I need to do this for me and I deserve to travel and I've been building this business for six years and me, 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 me. And my life really started to go downhill. And so really in the last few months after working with someone, I've realized that honestly, when I feel my best is when I'm thinking about others, like when I'm putting others first, when I'm pouring into other people, when I'm doing things for them, and then that's really what can make you happy. And so I, hopefully I answered the question, maybe it's a little bit of a roundabout, but when you're making decisions from a place of what can you get out of it versus what can you give, it it just usually will never end up in your place. And the hard thing is we're hardwired as humans. I think that's how we're wired is to be selfish. And so you're constantly fighting human nature, but I think that's what makes it so rewarding because if you can 
fight against it and you constantly think about others, you'll realize that by making others happy and improving their lives, you in turn will become happier. You'll feel more fulfilled. And so it's this kind of paradox. Uh, it almost feels like a game. You know, sometimes I'm not super religious, but sometimes I almost feel that, you know, however we got here, whatever power you believe in, it's almost like a game. He's like trying to get us to figure out possibly where he stacks, he stacks all these things kind of against us or makes us think it's this, but the irony is that it's actually this way. Right. And, um, I came to a few realizations this year through that and I'm definitely not perfect, but yeah, I think you will feel empty if that's all you care about. And that's why now when I see guys who use marketing with like Lamborghinis and girls and stuff, and again, it's not bad. It's like whatever you want to do, but it doesn't really mean much to me because I know that they can't possibly feel fulfilled. It just, it just won't fulfill you. So to me, it's just a waste of time at this point in my life. So Tanner, I want you to, let's imagine like it was just me and you talking, no podcast. I related a lot to that journey. I was bullied for six years growing up, went to high school, was like number two in my class, went to college. I was an ROTC. I'm not sure if you're familiar, yeah. but uh trained you to become an officer in the army. I was number three out of like 6,000 in the country, valedictorian in my college. And, and if I'm being a little bit vulnerable with you, man, I'm at this position right now. You mentioned purpose. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, what is that? Is what I'm doing now actually the thing? Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like, I guess, what advice do you have for somebody that's always been that driven person, has achieved a lot, but maybe now stepped into the business world and is like, shit, like I'm not winning how I'm used to winning. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of it's kind of hurt, <laughs> right? Because I'm not used to that. What advice would you, would you have for somebody that's in that position? Well, I think the first thing is what I like about business is it's math, right? And you can be big, tall, short, fat, skinny, dark, brown, white, doesn't matter. You can win. I think what a lot of people do, I, I think the first thing is you just got to make sure you're doing the work. So, you know, a lot of people see my success and, and, and pretty much like I've had the business for about six years now, but really I made all the money in four years. In the first year, I did a million. So that obviously 70 million minus 1 million is, you know, 69s left. Then I made a little bit the second year, but really it's been the last four years is the chunk. And I think the first thing was that you got to do the work and you have to be willing to do it for as long as it takes. And so a lot of people, you know, like let's say your case, maybe you just start a business and you're going day one learning high ticket sales, but you've never done door to door sales like I did. You never worked as a server, you know, for X amount of months. You never, uh, had to live like in maybe a super shitty place. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But the point is I I went through three years of kind of hell. So when I finally had my moment or when my moment arrived, I was ready for it. And I think a lot of people, they don't know when the moment's coming and they're not prepared. So I think that's number one is constantly you have to be working hard. So when the moment appears, like when, when I finally learned about high ticket sales, I didn't even know high ticket sales existed, Devin. So they said... Yeah, just raise your price. And I said, okay. And I made 10K in a week. And I said, you got to be shitting me. That's what I've been missing for three years. I didn't even know what high ticket sales were, but I was ready for it, right? I prepared for it. Um, and that was what that's what made the moment so sweet is I looked back and said, that's why that stuff happened, right? There's that verse. Again, I'm not super religious, but I forget the verse, but it, you know, it says, uh, and Jesus replied, you may not understand now, but later you will understand. Or you may not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Like I, that, I swear to God, like that verse comes to me so often because I go, that's why that happened. 
Like that's why all this bad shit happened to me this year. That's why the business was going down. That's why I had to come back. I don't know. So that's number one. Number two is then, are you doing the things required? Because really in business, you can backtrack what you need and it's very easy, especially when you run paid traffic. So if you, let's, let's give you a random example. If you want to do 100,000 a month and you need, you're selling a 5K product, you need 20 sales. Okay, so usually you get 20 sales. You're going to need, you know, let's say you convert 10% of your applications. You need 200 applications. Okay, that means you need about 2,000 leads, give or take. So how much ad spend do you need to spend to get 2,000 leads? And, and the irony is the math is all there, but people won't do it. You know, I talked to two people this week. We, I increased my business by 25%. And I really struggle. I guess maybe this is internal, but I really struggle when people say stuff to me like that. Because I go, well, how much is that? You know, I'm thinking 25% is pretty good. They're like, oh, I went from, you know, 20,000 to 25 in a year. And I'm like, there's no reason for that. Because if you understand paid traffic and you understand scale, it's just a numbers game. And so you either grow two ways. You either grow with a massive social media following like Kim Kardashian, where she can clip her toenails, put them in a bag, take dog poop, smear it and sell it, right? We can't, or you run paid traffic. So I think like a lot of times people go, well, I just don't know what to do and this and that. Well, once that's okay. If you're ignorant, that's one thing. But once you know what to do, I just think a lot of people won't do it or they're not willing to do it because they go, well, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard to train a sales team. It's hard to hire. It's hard to manage. I'm like, yeah, no shit. What do you think I've been doing since I came back from my little world tour? I've been managing like a crazy all day, every day. Um, even today, I got up at 4.30 a.m. today. And I'm not saying that to boast. It's like, I, but, I, but I'm also glad to do it. I like to do it. So if I could break it down to three things, first thing is like, you just have to work hard consistently so you're ready for the moment. Two is it's math. And once you understand the math, you do it or you don't. It's very simple. It's like you ask the girl out or you don't. If you don't ask her out, they can't possibly say yes. And then I would think, um, I think the third thing after that is just, do you actually enjoy it? Because something that's weird for me, Devin, is when I was trying to hit a million a month, I was so angry at the world. I don't even know if I enjoyed it or not, to be honest with you. I just was so angry that I just would do whatever it took. And then once I finally hit a million a month and all the anger kind of dissipated, I said, you know, I think I kind of like this stuff. Like, I think I enjoy it. And that it, it was, it's, you're, you're going to laugh when I say that, but I actually didn't know if I liked this until I was three, four years in. And so today, like when I woke up at four 30, I actually was sitting here. I was like, man, I like this. Like, I like driving myself. I like pushing myself. I like serving others. And there's times where you get tired and fatigued and you, you know, you're thinking, woe is me. But really, man, at the end of the day, you know, when I traveled for those six months, after about the first month or so, I was extremely bored and I had way too much time on my hands and I felt very unfulfilled. And I actually have more problems in my life because I don't know what that verse is, but they say, what is it like the lazy man who has no drive or purpose or whatever? Become, I don't know. It, it basically, it's the it's the verbiage where if you have no purpose, you can kind of fall into kind of a lot of hedonism, right? Just eat, drink, and be merry. And, and that just is not what we were meant to do, my personal opinion. So sorry, that, again, I, I feel like I give a little too much answers on this, but that's oh, like please. top three. I, I love that. I'm, I'm learning so much uh, because you're speaking to me in so many different ways. Back in April, I had like a six, I made like 16 grand in 24 hours. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, my goodness. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Um, but then it didn't really... And, and reflecting back on the work, 
you said something that you weren't sure if you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So what made you continue to do the work if you weren't sure if you enjoyed doing the thing? Were you just so driven by the end result? Or like, how, how do you do something if at a high level and continue to do the work if you don't know if you love it, if you don't know if you enjoy it? Yeah, you just use what you got. I just was angry, man. I was angry mm. at my family and uh, to start. I was angry at my family and my ex-girlfriend. Once I started having some success, I started buying into different programs. And uh, for context, I was making all my money organically. You know how hard that is, right? Like you're yeah. grinding to grind. So all the money I was making was going right back into hiring coaches and ads and it wasn't working. So then I got pissed off at the coaches. Then once I started having more success, I had a beat. I had some beef with um, some people in the industry, which like wasn't healthy. It was immature on my part. But then that became, I'm going to prove to them, I'm going to beat their business. And then once I beat their business, there, I was like, I had nothing else to be mad about. So I think I'm just a very competitive person. I've always been in sports and I've always been an athlete. And I think I just had so much inner drive from that anger that it just pushed me to unbelievable heights. And, and there's nothing wrong with using that. It's just not a great way to feel good all the time. Like I got to a point in my life where I just said, I'm tired of feeling angry all the time. And I still have moments here and there, but I don't feel like I'm competing with anyone anymore. I used to feel like I was really competing with people. And I'm in a place now where I just compete with myself. And that takes time to get to. And there's still people I aspire to be like, and I look up to. And that does push me in a sense, but I don't feel like I don't feel less than if I don't hit their business or their numbers or whatever it is. I feel like maybe they're just farther in the game than me, or maybe they went on a different path. It's I'm actually friends with most of the guys I look up to now. I'm not in competition. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And speaking personally, once again, I feel like one of the things that stops a lot of us, I know for me for a long time, I was like, and what I doing now, my big life purpose Right. And trying to draw a connection between what I'm doing right now to my big life purpose. When in reality, I'm not 100% sure on what that big life purpose is. And and what that did is it kind of left me paralyzed because like, am am I in the right vehicle? Mm -hmm. So how do you go about finding that right vehicle? Let's talk like coaching industry specific, because that's what, man, if I'm being honest, Tanner, I was like, yeah, maybe like real estate would be cool. Like if I'm not working with people, I don't feel fulfilled. Like at, at all, like I can make a lot of money and whatever, but I need to be with the people. So like, yeah. I guess, how do you go about choosing the right vehicle? Because you made another post. It says something along the lines of like, you got to ask yourself two questions. Number one, what's the vehicle? And number two, how do, how am I going to spend my time? So yeah. it's like, number one, how do you go about finding that vehicle? Yeah. Great question. Well, uh, internet marketing is great. Or like the coaching industry is great because anyone can start. Right. So that's what's great about low barrier of entry. Anyone can start. You can start making money today. The downside is it gets very competitive and it's also just very small. Like it's a small industry overall. Um, so I guess I'll start with from two standpoints. If you're trying to pick in the coaching industry, I just always make it simple. Pick something in health, wealth or relationships. That's what everyone wants. That's what everyone cares about. And then niche down inside that. Anytime I've seen someone go outside, that's very difficult. You know, um, the people who struggle the most, like I've said this in multiple podcasts, multiple posting, is the people who want to be like Tony Robbins with no clout and no notoriety. Um, you, you like, for example, Alex Hermosi in the last few years, he's really grown on social, really the last year. 
So he could sell anything he wants now. He couldn't do that a year ago. And so a lot of people, when they go away from those niches, I'm like, you don't have the brand to be able to do that. So that's number one. After you come in the coaching industry, let's say you come in the coaching industry and you realize, hey, this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's totally fine. I actually think after talking to multiple billionaires and people who've sold for nine figures, that the number one thing I've seen across the board from guys who bootstrap, not VC, but bootstrap, which in my opinion is way more impressive, is they all have internet marketing backgrounds because you learn sales, you learn fulfillment, you learn backend systems, you learn tech, you learn ads, you learn all these skills that a lot of other founders and CEOs don't learn. In fact, I'm shocked at the amount of founders that don't understand marketing and sales and often, I mean, they don't know it. Like they might understand the concept, but they can't even do it. I genuinely feel I could go be a COO for anybody if I wanted to. Like I could run the whole thing. Hiring, training, managing systems, whatever. I, I'm definitely an operator. Not out of uh, not because like I prefer it per se, but I can do it. I'm very good at it because um, I had to. I just had to do both. I had to be the visionary and the operator. So once you once let's say like once you come in the coaching business and you make some money and you're like, you know, is this what I'm going to do forever? Do I want to do other stuff? What I did is I did a bunch of interviews. I just interviewed people. I just interviewed a lot of successful people. And I looked for trends. And what I found typically is that the people who make companies that sell for the most in the least amount of time, um, they go a couple routes. Okay, uh, They either usually go private equity, so accumulating companies, or they usually go tech, or it might be some type of like product, right? because it's easier to scale. And the reason those three things usually work is because it's easy to low fulfillment. So that's the number one thing you have to look at across the board. Uh, I have like a pin post on my Facebook. It's like the 30 things I learned from billionaires, whatever. And the reason the, the thing you'll see across the board is typically it's easy to low fulfillment, which is not in the coaching industry. It's very high fulfillment, right? And the reason that works is because you add more customers, you don't have to do any more fulfillment. So your whole team's focus is sales and marketing. So you basically cut out half the business. And you just focus on the easiest part, in my opinion. Sales and marketing to me is like, that's the easiest part. Fulfillment's the hardest part, um, at least like in consulting. So there was that. Then usually they would sell a high ticket item. Surprise, surprise, because you can't bootstrap something if it's not high ticket because there's no margin. So it's usually high ticket. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, those those three things. Internet marketing background, easy low fulfillment, and it was high ticket. Now, the reason tech usually works or why people talk about tech is it's easy to low fulfillment, right? Like, da da da. that's why. Now, there's other things you can sell like products, but usually products can be a little harder because like protein powder, a million protein powders, right? Quest Nutrition uh, hit a bill, but they were one of the first ones in the space as far as I remember. So it's probably more crowded now. So it's harder. So you have to have a very unique product, right? Which can make that a little harder. Um, also, there, there's other stuff you could do. You can also do services, I guess, to an extent, but it just depends. Like Bite, they sold for a billion, but they were braces. Just kind of like, I don't know if it's a service or a product you would categorize it, probably more of a product. Um, weed maps sold for 1.6 billion. It was Yelp for weed, basically. The product was come here and see, you know, where stuff is ranked. Um, there's there's a company right now, I think they're ranked over, I think they're rate, I think they're worth over hundred million. And it's uh it's called like chief.com for women. It's basically a group for just high-level executive women. So no coaching, it's just networking, right? So again, easy to low fulfillment. Um, so I think the biggest thing is after having those conversations is now when I'm looking at a new business, I'm looking at 
what can I sell? And it goes back to what Warren Buffett says, what can you sell for a lot, but it's very easy to fulfill. And that takes a lot more time and effort. And that takes a lot more strategy, which is why there's bigger payouts. So I, I, that's the two answers I would give. But um, And I'm not even saying everyone has to do that. But for me, now that I'm trying to go for uh, bigger businesses and I want to continue to push myself, like I love elite CEOs and I always will. And I have a deep place in my heart for it. But if I want to sell a company for nine or 10 figures, it won't be elite CEOs. And so that to me is the path forward that I've seen. The only other thing um, you can do, obviously, is like you can just do private equity, which is a little slower, but it will get you there. Um, takes a lot more cash. And maybe another piece of advice for people if like they're wondering, well, you know, I don't know what business to start. Go interview private equity guys and then ask them, you know, which businesses are the sell for the most multiples. Find the similarities and then find the CEOs who've exited who don't care anymore because they have non-competes and they'll tell you everything. That's another thing you can do. Um, so hopefully, yeah, that again, I feel like his answer is a little long, but there's just so I've just dug down this hole for so long, and that's what I spent so much of my time doing that that's the conclusion I came to after just talking to tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of people. It's always come back to that. That's like a similarity across the board. What do you feel like after speaking with all of these people, what's the biggest difference between how they think and someone who's yet to reach their first million think? It's mm. a great question. To be honest, I was a little surprised at some of the people. Some of the people, they didn't, they were like, yeah, I didn't really like plan on building something that sold for a billion. I just found a problem and fixed it. That was the most interesting part because a lot of these people, they sold for these big numbers, but they said, yeah, like I wasn't really planning on doing that. It just kind of happened. And so I think it goes back to the immediate thing is when I first got into business, all I was thinking about was making money. And I just did the first thing that someone showed me that can make me the most money. Now that I'm where I'm at now, I really start going back to the board and thinking about problems. And so one of the next businesses I'm starting, I really sat there and thought, especially with like my elite CEOs customers, is what are the problems they have and what can I fix that will be very little fulfillment? Because there's a lot of things you can fix, but it takes a ton of fulfillment, right? Like agency work is a perfect example of a lot of fulfillment typically, which is not a bad business model to run, but it is at scale. Unless caveat to that is if like you go with Gary Vee where you go after whales. There's only, The only caveat I've seen is if you do a done for you service or like high fulfillment, you go after whales who, you know, $5 million, $10 million are big contracts, right? Not like the little business owners. And the reason is because they're such a big client. They're so easy to fulfill on because they're so skilled, right? That's the only other direction you can go. But um, the quote, what back, back to you, I lost my train of thought. What was your was the, no, quote? the question? The, the biggest, the question I had was, what's the biggest difference in, in how these billionaires, you know, decamillionaires, yeah. the difference between how they think and somebody that, you know, has yet to reach their first million. Yeah. So again, the the irony was a lot of them had internet marketing backgrounds. I like, would never think that, to almost, be honest with you. Almost all of them did. Almost all of them. There were a few who didn't that are a lot older, but I mean, they were born before the internet. But a lot of them, they all had internet marketing backgrounds to some degree. And then they all were just trying to solve a problem. And then advice that a lot of them gave me is stick to what you know. They're like, don't go, don't like switch into real estate or something else. And I was like, mm, that's interesting. Why would you say that? And, and it's not that you can, but they would say, because it takes you one to two years to learn all the nuances. So it takes time. So every time you switch industries, it takes you a long time. If you can stay in the industry you're in now, or like stay around the same clients that you understand and fix problems for them, it's faster because you already know all the nuances. 
I thought that was a very interesting thing that they said. But yeah, it, it's really those two things, man. They just had internet marketing backgrounds, the majority of them. And then they just looked for problems. They just looked for problems in the same way I said. They look for stuff that's easy to fulfill on, that they can solve very easily. And a lot of times that's why tech, everyone is like so gun-ho for tech is because like tech's very easy. Like if your thing solves a problem with no one doing anything, that hits the requirement. Uh, there's also upsides and downsides to that, of course. Um, but that's why you always see people, they get so crazy about tech. I'm not saying that's the best route to go. There's definitely a lot of skeletons uh, going down that pathway. But typically, you're going to see tech product or like media, like a media company. Um, because it scales, right? And it's easy to low fulfillment. Media, the product is the media. It's so like Patrick Bet David right now. He basically just more content he makes, the better his product is. Um, you might be able to sell something like Quest Nutrition, but that's, in my opinion, it's a little harder, but you could do it. Because again, once you sell it, that's it, right? There's no fulfillment. Like people buy it, they eat it or tech. So hopefully I answered that question okay. But that was the biggest things I saw is just internet marketing background. And then a lot of them, they didn't plan it. They just, yeah, I just saw a problem and I solved for it. And ta-da, I, I, it kind of surprised me because I asked all of them, how'd you come up with this idea? Did you read any books? And they just said, no, nah, man, I mean, just right place, right time, saw this issue and I fixed it. And so I think a lot of times it's it's just really solving bigger problems. Just instead of doing what everyone else is doing, what's a really big problem you could solve and give a solution? And, you know, if it's hard, good, because that means you'll probably have a big payout because it's a higher entry or, or excuse me, higher barrier of entry. So I guess looking now that you know all of this information, I'm 25, which is when things really started to take off for you, right? That was six years ago for you? Yeah, about six years. Yeah. About six years ago. So I guess knowing what you know now, what would you tell me being 25 when things really started to take off for you? I mean, you've crushed, obviously, 70 million in the coaching. It's not many people that could say that. Yeah. But it seems like you have a little bit more wisdom and, and like maybe you're a little bit more groomed than you were then. What advice would you have to Devin, who's 25 now, who is looking to emulate some of the success that you've had in, in this industry and beyond? Um, advice. I mean, first thing is like, just learn sales. Like you gotta be a beast at sales. You gotta be a master at sales. If you can do that, you'll always stay in business. Uh, I meet very few founders or CEOs that are not very good at sales. The only exceptions I've seen is where it's an exceptional product, like highly exceptional, which yeah, that's should be the goal as well. But I would just say, like, if you're in the coaching industry, there's only so good the product can be. Okay. Like, there's only so good it can be until you're running their business for them. Right. Like, I think we can all agree on that. So it's being very, very good at sales. I think skill number two is then really, really learn how to train and manage people. Um, most entrepreneurs I meet, you they're either stuck in one place. They're either like consistently below 20,000 a month or they're consistently stuck at a hundred. Under 20,000 a month, it's a sales and marketing issue. At 100, typically the bottleneck is they don't know how to manage and train. So they just constantly stay there because what they've proven is they're very good solopreneur. They're terrible entrepreneur, right? Because the business will only go as far as the team past a certain point. Like there, there's only so much you can do, even if you're managing all day long. Like there's only so far you can go till you need more managers, or you need more executives. So if you can learn those two skills, I mean, you can pretty much do anything. Uh, you could also throw in marketing, but sales and marketing are kind of like they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. But if you could learn those three skills, um, 
while you're running a coaching business, you're in the internet marketing space, whether you stay there for the rest of your life or you move on, you'll be very adept to the next thing you do. Because like where I'm at now, the irony is that I genuinely feel I can run a company A to Z top to bottom, no problem. Like I, I feel like I could get plugged in with some of the biggest guys in the space and I could be their COO, not a problem. Not even a little bit. I, they wouldn't have to tell me anything. I would know exactly what to do. No problem. Um, but those skills is really what will set you up for later success, regardless of what you do. So I would say like, if I was in your shoes back at your age, those are the things I would really focus on doing. And the way you build those skills is you just grow your business, build it, run ads, be willing to lose some money, keep paying coaches, you know, do some door to door sales, possibly. I don't know. Like maybe you do part-time do that, or you just keep learning the sales you're doing. Um, take all the courses and read all the books you possibly can split tests, you know, like a, a lot of times, yeah, there's a lot of things I've learned and paid for, but I've also spent millions and millions of dollars on ads and marketing and coaching and courses. And so I'm learning best of both worlds through experience and through others. And that's a very powerful combination. Um, so that's the advice I would give you because now that I look back, sometimes I go, well, maybe I should have you know, done this sooner, you know, like, or maybe I shouldn't have played football all the way through college or, you know, maybe I should started thinking about starting a new business sooner, but it's all 2020. And I've learned so much that it's going to help whatever I do next, like tenfold, because I have so many skills that most people, they just do not have. Um, so that's, that's the advice I would give you, honestly. It seems like it laid such a great foundation for you for, for what's to come. And you're still so, and you're still relative, you're still so young that now you have so much time to really put these skills into different vehicles like we were kind of talking about earlier. So I think that's, that's very helpful because sometimes I'm like, I don't see any billionaires that are coaches. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like maybe it's just more about the skills that I'm developing now that I could transfer into something else that could get me to that point. And, and, and to that point, it depends on your goal. Like I think a great yeah. guy to look at is Alex Becker. So Alex Becker was in the internet marketing space way before I was, I mean, he, he started, I think when he was like in his early twenties, like 18, maybe 20, 22 max. And so he pivoted, you know, a few years back to high rows. And I know his advice was, he's like, I wish I pivoted sooner, but again, it's 2020. And he was learning all those skills along the way. So maybe for him, you know, I think he was in the industry, maybe like 10 years before he pivoted. That's probably a little long. If that's your ultimate goal, do you want to build a nine or 10 figure company? Then I agree. At some point you got to make the shift. So with you, like if I was in your shoes, maybe you learn the skills for a couple more years, and then you can make that pivot again. But it depends on your goal, right? But I'm just saying from a standpoint, if you want to build businesses as big as they can get, I do think getting an internet marketing first is wise for a little bit. I don't think you should be there forever, but I do think you should be there for a little bit. I think Alex might go a little far if he says like you shouldn't do it at all. I think that's bad advice because if you just start another company day one without learning those skills, you will struggle. Like, and you won't know what the bottlenecks are. Um, but yeah, to your point, if you're, if like, if your goal is, Hey, I want to go build a nine or 10 figure company. Yeah. If your goal is like, Hey, I want to make a million bucks a year. This business is perfect. It, it's, it's an easy business to run. It's very low overhead, typically great margins. You don't have to have a ton of employees. Um, you just run your social media. So again, just make sure it aligns with your goals because depending on your goal, that's the advice you get, which is why when we take sales calls, the first question we ask is, what's the goal? Because if we don't know what the goal is, we can't possibly give good advice. So all I would say to you is just make sure that the advice I'm giving you matches with your destination because your destination might be completely different than mine. So from that regard, it could be bad advice. Where do you want to go? 
What's the destination for you? What do you see for yourself? I just want to build something big. And uh, it comes from no other place than just proving to myself I can do it. That's it. What do you feel, Tanner, in order to get there? What do you feel like you'll have to to give up in order to really take things? Is there anything you feel like you'd have to give up or... Or anything you feel like you have to add specifically that you feel like in order to really get to that level? Yeah, I mean, um, I quote Alex a lot just because, like, I talk to him a lot. And, you know, obviously, I've, I follow his journey pretty hard. I'd say, like, him and Alex Becker. Like, I have a whole, like, Twitter list of Alex's only, pretty much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but he says uh, the people at the top, it's not the things that they're doing. It's more the things they're not doing, which I think is interesting. As I've gotten older, I think uh, one thing that I've noticed, I've spoken about this pretty consistently the last few weeks, is that anytime you drink, uh, you party, you don't go to sleep and all that type of stuff, it, it, it starts to kind of deteriorate your health a little bit or it takes away. So when you, you know, when I was in my 20s, I mean, I'm still young, but like when I was in my 20s, I could pretty much beat myself up and I was good. Not a huge deal. Um, now that I'm in my 30s, I'm 31 now. It's not terrible, but like if I eat sugar, for example, if I go, if I have this like health tracker, right, it's the Whoop app. And if I eat sugar, uh, my sleep is horrible. If I drink alcohol, my sleep is horrible. And then what happens is I wake up and I don't have as much energy to attack the day. So your body really can only do two things. It's either optimizing or it's recovering. And so, for example, to your question, do you have to give anything up? I think to maybe play at the highest levels of the game, you might have to give some of that stuff up. Um I know there's cases where, you know, maybe someone became a billionaire and they're an absolute party boy, whatever. But yeah, like, I think it's more of the things like, are you going to give that up? Are you going to give up, uh, you know, maybe dating 20 girls, right? Because like sometimes, like even just from a time standpoint, if you're with one girl, it's easier to grow stuff. You have more time for it. You're more, fo- you're more focused, et cetera. Um, obviously, there's so many variables, right? There's so many instances where you can make a case study one way or the other, but yeah, I just I think I'll just have to maybe give up some stuff that like really isn't that important, possibly. Right. Like if you're trying to build a billion dollar company or a nine figure company um, and all your friends go out every weekend. Like, yeah, I mean, that might be something you might not be able to do. And if people are like, why can't you go out? You're like, well, I'm trying to build a nine figure company like that would make sense to me, you know. Um, but it's all preference, too. And it's all how you want to live your life. But I would say, honestly, for me, like I do enjoy sometimes going out and I do enjoy kind of taking a break here or there. But at, at the end of the day, man, I mean, like I really do like pushing myself and I think it really actually helps me become the best version of myself versus when I'm not trying to grow something, I'm not trying to pursue something. When I was like traveling those last six months, I think it made me like, I was not my best self. I, I think I was worse because I had all this free time to kind of sit around and uh, neander and just like scroll on, you know, Instagram with IG models and whatever else. And it's just, a, it's a huge waste of time and it, and it, and it never gets, you never get satisfied from it. Right. Like it's always the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I'll have to give up much more than what I do now. I mean, I'm already a pretty dedicated guy and I work a lot and I enjoy it. So I, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm getting anything up. I think that goes back to what I said earlier is that I do actually enjoy working. Yeah. Um, I don't, that's all you have to do. But I, I like working. Like I, I enjoy it. I like going to the gym. I like, I enjoy, enjoy I like eating healthy. Like I actually do enjoy it. And there's moments here and there where, yeah, I take a break. Like we're going to go to the dolphins game after this podcast today, me and my uh, video guy, but 
I just, I guess like maybe the biggest thing is you just give up distractions. Like an Alex Becker might be a good pe- person for people like that. Cause he's a little, like, I think he's like a little extreme. I don't, I don't think you have to be extreme, but I do think he's spot on with saying that the, the goal, the happiness and the, the joy you're going to feel is in the pursuit. It's not the destination. Yeah. It's not actually hitting the goal. And that's also a cheat code for life. We were talking about, you know, however we got here and what's the purpose of life. I think it that there's all these like little cheat codes. It's like instead of being selfish, think about others. Ah, thinking about others will actually make me happy. Why? Because you're not thinking, am I happy? Am I happy? Am I happy all the fucking time? Right? Like you're thinking about them and then they're happy. And guess what that does for you? You become happy, right? It's like a cheat code. I think if you're constantly in the pursuit, then the goal does not matter because when you finish and you're exhausted, right? The Theodore Roosevelt quote like the man on the battlefield or I forget what the quote is. Right. But it's oh the man in the arena. Excuse me. That's the quote. Like read it. It's about the pursuit. Right. And so for example, when I didn't get to go to the NFL, was I disappointed? Sure. Was I depressed for a bit? You bet. Was I disappointed in myself? Absolutely not. I, I felt more, I felt more proud of myself for my effort to try to play in the NFL than probably anything in my life because I did everything. Summer workouts, two a days, sprint coach, running coach, weightlifting coach. I spent all my time and money just training. I mean, I dude, I used to sweat so much. I had to take medicine to try not sweat so much because my acne would get so because I was just like I was showering three times a day, like it was insane. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. Like I don't I think the things that you actually have to give up it's really not that big a deal in the end because those things won't make you happy. I think especially men are their happiest when they're in the pursuit and it does not matter what the outcome is. And the reason it doesn't matter is because no matter what outcome you get, nobody's going to care. And when you can come to reality with that, it just makes it so much easier to just literally get lost in your work and enjoy it and just do your best. And whatever happens will happen. And the irony is that, if you do that, good things usually will happen because you're, you're doing the work. I don't know. No, that, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. There's two questions that come up in there for me. Um, especially cause, cause you're, you're still a young guy, but do you eventually want to have kids in a family? I think so. I'm going through that right now. Like I'm trying to make some kind of major life decisions. I think so. I think, I think there's a lot I could learn from it. I don't think I want them this second, but I, I, I try to, I try to picture myself, right? Like I try to future pace and I try to think of myself with like a wife and maybe a kid. And I definitely think it would help me be a better person because again, you can't just think about yourself all the time, right? It goes back from what I said, like selfishness creates unhappiness. So I'm not saying you have to do this, but I would think it's harder, right? It's harder to not be selfish if you're not single. Probably because you have to think about your wife, got to think about your kids. I, I would say like I struggle sometimes being single, uh, a single man in Miami because, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to just me, 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 me. And yeah, man, I, I think that's wisdom coming from some years. I mean, a few years ago, I wouldn't have said that, not because I, I just wouldn't have known. I just wouldn't have known that. I think I've just been more introspective. But yeah, I think there's a lot you can learn from having a wife and having kids. And you don't have to. Right. But I think it could make it harder to not be selfish 
um, or to think about others. And going back to what we said is like, I think you'll feel your most fulfillment thinking about others. So hopefully I think that answers the question. Around no, that. Absolutely. And I guess it, it, when you think about, I'm sure you've been with women and partners in the past. Yeah. What do you really look for? Right. What, what do you, what do you feel like Tanner really needs? I feel like, do you need someone who is also an entrepreneur, like getting after it? Or do you need somebody that maybe is like a little bit more laid back, but a hundred, 120% supportive? Like, what do you, what do you want? Uh, that's a great question. So, you know, my past relationship still love her to death. Um, you know, like I made some bad choices, but, um, she was perfect, man. She was a perfect girl for me. Um, I, I enjoy when I enjoy when they're doing some type of entrepreneurial work or they're, they just, they're just doing something. Um, looks fades very quickly. Um, definitely, you know, you can go out a night on the town or to dinner or a party with a good looking girl, but if there's no substance for me personally, I want to feel like they're in the fight with me, at least a little bit. They don't have to be at the same level per se, but you know, something I respect about Alex and Layla's relationship is like, she's in it with them. Like yeah. she's in the fight and there's just something gratifying. It's like, you know, why guys on a football team or basketball team or sports, like you look at each other and you're like, yo, we're in it. We're in this together. And there's something about that. That's very powerful. Um, I think, I mean, it's, you're asking great questions. Cause these are questions I've been asking myself. I've been thinking about that. Could I just be with the cheerleader or do I need a teammate? Right? Like, can she just be the supportive wife? Or do I need someone who's a little bit in the battle? I'd say right now, it's more, I'd say more of the teammate. I don't know if it needs to be at the same level or like she's running the business with me type deal. But it's nice to have those conversations and they understand what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Versus, oh yeah, it sounds great, honey. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Ready for dinner? That's just my personal opinion. What I've kind of found more attractive. Um, because otherwise, what I've kind of seen in my dating life is that when it hasn't been like that, I almost kind of turn into their personal coach, which is not attractive to me, right? Like I don't mind helping, but if it turns into like, well, what should I do with my business and this and that, it, it kind of turns me off because I'm like, oh man, this is the same stuff I do all day. It's kind of like the massage guy who does massages. <laughs> all day. I'm like, oh, can you massage my neck? He's like, like no, or a chef, right? A chef cooks all day for others. And then they're like, can you make me a meal? And they're like, dude, like, no, like I want a break. That's kind of how it feels for me right now, but I'm open to it. Like I'm open to... I'm open to like different ideas, but I definitely think I've always enjoyed girls who have a little bit more drive or they have a little more business acumen um, or they're at least in the pursuit or something. So I, it's weird. I would say I'm the abnormal guy. I'd say 80% of guys would usually go for maybe a girl's a little more submissive and obedient is maybe, I don't know if obedience is the right word, but just kind of whatever they want to do, they'll do. I'm like more the 20%, but it's very delicate because if they if you go too far that direction, it's too masculine for me. Right. So I like a girl who still lets me lead, but she understands a little bit of that. So I I'm going for like a, I, I think I'm in the minority of men. I would say that's usually what I joke with my friends is that I'm, I'm kind of a weird guy. Cause I, I like a girl who's a little bit, you know, cause business is a little more masculine energy, but yeah. she's still very feminine. And that's a hard balance to find. That's a very hard balance to find. I think. No, I mean, I, I love it. That, that provides so much insight because there's, there's a lot of people out there that are like, they don't know what they want, you know, and having someone like you kind of like 
who had, who has had that success, like, okay, that opens up a different perspective, but we only have a couple of minutes left, man. I wanted to ask one more thing before I kind of give you the opportunity to tell people kind of where they can get in contact with you. And, and here's the thing, man, like I said at the beginning, I kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about how you think and what life looks like away from elite CEOs, because we can all go find out about elite CEOs in a lot of different ways. And you provide, you produce all of this content, but just like you as the person, man, I feel like that's what, that's what has appealed me the most to you, as I said at the beginning of this. So really, I just want to end off. You've had what seemed to be like a life-changing experience with one of your mentors recently, Steve Hardison, if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, and you guys have been, how long you've been going for, for with each other? A few months at least, right? Yeah, I think it's like our second month. So I was going, he usually does bi-weekly, but I was going weekly because I felt <laughs> like I really need some help. Uh, I'm going bi-weekly now, but yeah, we, we're on like like a, almost over two months, like I'd say. So like, so going into the third month, yeah. Nice. Okay. And what has been, like, what's been the biggest shift for you in your life and how has, like, how has it physically shown up for you? Like, how do you notice Tanner operating as a different person because of whatever advice that he gave you? Yeah. So honestly, the two biggest things that have helped me, um, one's a little more controversial and it was something I never thought I would do, but it was ayahuasca. Uh, very interesting experience, very positive experience for me though. And, um, the only way I can explain it is it just helped me think about things from a different perspective. It, it, it felt like older Tanner. Um, that's the easiest way I can describe it. I've seen a lot of weird stuff with it. Also, when people go into mindset, sometimes they get a little over the top, in my opinion. They just get like way woo-woo. And so that's the that's kind of the danger for me is like sometimes I see stuff. I'm like, man, that just sounds weird. But I think if if you're a... If you if you can like align with my type of vibe and my energy, I think you can go into those and have very good experiences because you're still kind of grounded a little bit, right? It's like you're still logical. It's like, hey, let's see how this experience is. Um, so that was a great experience for me, and I'll and I'll get into you know why that is, but that had me think very deeply. And then I went to Steve, and Steve, he teaches all about he calls it the way of being, right? Like who you want to be, and so. I'll try to get through what I've learned through the lesson so far. But the first couple of sessions, he just said, write down everything you hate about your life and people, anything like any, even the littlest thing. So I was like, you know, um, I think I, you know, people are dumb. Like I have to do everything and I can do stuff better than most people. And I had stuff, um, you know, girls don't get it. Like I had a lot of just negative stuff that was going on in my life. And after the first session, he looked at me, it's like a two hour session. And he said, you ready? And I'm like, what? He's like, that's what you think about yourself. And then he's like, see you next time. And I, like, I sat around <laughs> and thought about that. For a week. Uh, and as we went through, basically, we pulled all those things out. And then he said, well, you know, what do you want to be like? Well, I was like, well, I want to be like this. Like, I want to be nice to people. I want to do so it, kind of think of all the negative stuff. And then it's the positive stuff. And remember, this is lesson by lesson. So it's like building, right? And so he's showing me this stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool, man. Like, this isn't anything special. What is this? Like an affirmation? And he's like, no, he's like, think of it this way. And I wish you could be there because the way he teaches is through questions, which is the most powerful, right? But long story short, he got me to the point, he goes, so how do we control our thoughts? I'm like, I guess what we say is like, exactly. So he's like, if you can control what you say, you can control your thoughts. If you control your thoughts, what do you control? Is like your actions. He's like, exactly. And then what happens? Your results. So 
long story short, what I've learned from him is there's a lot of things we say to ourselves that's in the subconscious. Okay. Subconscious, a lot of times woo woo people will make it sound crazy, but all it is, is it's the things we do that we're not even thinking about. So like when you see me, you're either going to be like, Oh, Tanner's really amazing. Or you could immediately like, Oh, Tanner sucks. And based on that, you'll have a completely different interaction. We do it all the time for everything. Uh, if I have an Uber driver who's late, I'll notice like, man, what an idiot. Like I'll say that in my head. I'm like, dude, why? You know, and I started noticing that. I was like, damn, like I'm really just like an ornery, like I was like grumpy, the dwarf. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes like my friends, they're like, yo, it's the Grinch, right? They call me the Grinch because like sometimes I'm just, you know? And so what Steve says, he says, start saying the things you want to have happen. So when you're in those situations, you will act differently. And so, for example, if I said, I said some stuff, you know, I'm patient in all my dealings with people. That's something I've said. Or, uh, you know, there's something I'm saying right now. I'm, I'm cleverly brilliant. will become a billionaire. Because, dude, the irony is that no matter how much success you have, I think a deep fear of a lot of successful people is they're not good enough to do it. Yeah. I, I think that's a deep fear. So long story short, what's happened and what I did is I've kind of created what he calls a document. And I say it morning and night. And then I listen to it. And it, it sounded kind of woo-woo. But when he explained it that way, he goes, it's not because what's what you're looking for is in the moments that you're not prepared for. So for example, if I hit you, your car with a baseball bat, nine out of 10 people are going to get pissed off and start fighting them, right? Steve told me a story the other day where he has like, he has supercars and someone basically threw a, like a baseball or something hit his car and broke the window. And because Steve has been doing this for so long, what he says is I've decided who I'm going to be before it even happens. So when it mm. happens, as deep. Acts, yeah, like he acts completely differently. Like he he's the guy who's like, oh my, he's like, I'm so sorry my car was there. And you're like, <laughs> like it's completely not his fault. He had a he had um uh he was out of prison and he was about to go in the prison. He was FaceTiming someone like this, and the, the prisoner thought he was recording him. So he didn't notice, but the guy's cussing him out. And then he throws something uh on his car as well, because I guess everyone wants to throw stuff on Steve's car. And because Steve has like prepared when he saw that he ends up apologizing to the prisoner and treating him really nice. And then what happens is those people are so surprised by the way he's acting. It actually impacts their life positively. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how Steve's been for me. So for, so if you want to treat your wife better, speak it, right? If you want to have better interactions with women, say it. If you want to be patient with your team, speak it. And then what happens is then when someone pisses you off or your wife does something or you know her piece of hair is on the floor, instead of thinking, gosh, you idiot, you you think those thoughts, you go, okay. It's not that you don't feel it, but you're like, how do I need to act in this moment to be the person that I actually want to be? And that has been very instrumental with me over the last few months. And that's honestly probably what you're seeing because it's not this simple change. It's like the gym. That's the other thing I've learned too, Devin, is like a lot of times with mindset stuff or thinking, we we do it once and then we're like, oh, that's going to last forever. But it's not. It's like our muscles. We just can't see it. And so Steve is talking about Mr. Miyagi. Right? That's how you teach him like wax on, wax off, right? Wax on, wax off. And so if you do that every single day consistently, what happens is then the things you say become your thoughts and your thoughts will change your actions. And that was the first time in my whole life where I had someone actually logically explain to me how powerful your thoughts are. Because before I was like, that's BS. Like I think this stuff and I do this and he goes, but Tanner, like those same thoughts that you're not thinking of, that's what's made you successful. Because when people are soft, you're like, oh, he's soft. I wouldn't do that. 
And so you go and you do the things that other people won't do. But I think it's it, it, it like if you want a better personal life and relationship, like so, today I'll end on this. I'm sorry. You ask great questions, man. These are great questions. But I had a little spat with someone close to me. It wasn't a spat, but they basically were asking me to do something for them. And I've done a lot for them recently. And I was just like, hey, I'm not going to do that today. They just long story short, they asked me to like get them some food. I'll just tell you what it was. And I've been getting them a bunch of food lately, just being nice. And I was like, man, I'm starting to kind of feel used, right? I'm like, are they using me? Whatever. And they came to me and they were like, hey, you know, it's kind of hurt my feelings, like XYZ. And they explained their side. And typically what I found is that I'll get mad that they don't understand why I would feel used, right? Like I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is so simple. Like you idiot. Like, why wouldn't you get it? And I, I immediately today when that thought came, I thought of my document and I said, what would the Tanner I want to be answer? And I said, hey, thanks for expressing that to me. I had no idea. What can I do to help you today to f- make you feel more loved? And dude, I was like giving myself like a pat on the back. Like, dude, you did it. Like you're doing it because it gives you the opportunity in those moments that if you're forcefully saying these things, then when your subconscious kind of pops up that initial thought, you act differently. That's the best way I can describe what I'm doing with him. That doesn't do it justice, but that's why people pay him so much money because he gets you to realize in a logical fashion that you literally can change your entire life by your thoughts. And that's the first time out of all the woo-woo mindset coaches I've ever spent money on that I actually was like, yo, he's right. So again, I'm sorry. I know, I know it's a little overdue, but hopefully we can cut it down, but hopefully that. No, no, thank you. I print, I, I, I had to, I had to rip it off my wall, but this is, this is what you put in the group, what you taught us from what yeah, Steve taught you. Way. That's a simplistic way of like showing it. It doesn't do it justice, but that's what it is, man. That's Bad all. words and good words affect your, yeah. I mean, I, we can go through it in so much more depth, but, but thank you for sharing what you're learning with him because I have created my document. Two days ago, I created my recording and I put some meditation type music behind it. Yeah. And um, man, it's just it's just been super helpful. That's why when I when we started off, like just wanted to genuinely thank you because you're sharing a lot of your journey now. And that's been really impactful, impactful for me. But all right, man, let's wrap this up. I can just talk for forever and ever. Amen with you. But um, so. How can people get in touch with you, man? Obviously, your coaching program that I invested in when I didn't have the money, had to go into debt, totally changed my life. Best thing I recommend it to everybody and anybody that I meet. Just how can people get in touch with you? And if they're interested in in working with elite CEOs to grow their online business, how can they do so? Well, eliteceos.com, like you said, that's the main website. And then honestly, Devin, I want people to uh, find me on YouTube. So only one video has been posted so far, but we've got like 10 videos in the tank of where I've been doing these private like two and a half hour sessions with people. And I did the math. We're going to end up doing probably a hundred over a year, which is absolutely insane. But that, that is, it's the, going back to what I said before, when I started thinking, how can I just serve and stop being selfish thinking about how can I get the most views and stuff like that? I was like, what can I do that no one else is doing that will just serve someone at the highest level besides like running their business. And I went from, I almost did, I'll just, you know, work on their business with them. They can live with me for like a couple of weeks, which that I was like, man, that might be a little too much, <laughs> but I, but I got it down to two and a half hours. So those YouTube videos, there's, there's a woman on there who sells hair products. There's a door to door sales guy. There's a chiropractor who helps with back pain who we're going to have on there. Uh, there's a guy who does uh so- works with soccer athletes. There's going to be so many different case studies. And what's cool is those people, we're going to probably bring them back later to kind of 
to show their results just from that. So I'm excited about that because I think it's more in alignment with who I am. It's easier for me to do because it doesn't feel like this scripted stuff I've done in the past. And I think people are going to get a ton out of it. So please go watch those because I think that honestly, that content's good enough to help people make money. Like it's that good. Uh, and maybe I think I was hesitant in the past because you know I was just being selfish. So I hope people enjoy that. That's where I'd have them go. I love it. I watched the video, man. It's, it's, it was the first one that you posted. It was awesome. So thanks for doing that. It's a different type of content. And uh, man, it was just really cool to see. There's nobody else doing that. Like you said. And and once again, I I hope you give yourself the credit for really like evolving and you've really, you're really evolving. And it's, it's really good to see from, from my perspective and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. But Tanner, thank you for, for coming on today, man. I genuinely appreciate it. It's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. So thank you, brother. You can't say thank you enough for you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. And keep at it. And uh, thanks for having me on. These are great questions, by the way. So kudos to you, because like you said, I get a lot of bad questions. These are great questions. And you can tell because when I won't shut up, that means I'm excited. So you did great. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. And uh, let's continue the conversation some time. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Storypreneur Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the tips and strategies shared today and are feeling inspired to take your storytelling to the next level. My friend, it's time to share your messages in a way that enables you to stand out from the crowd, have a massive impact, and dominate your industry. All it takes is having a story and knowing how to deliver it. Before you go, we'd really appreciate it if you share this episode with a fellow business owner who you know needs to become a storypreneur. Thanks for being part of our family, and we'll catch you next time.